Well, there's one of the families here at church, uh, Brian and Casey Golson, have two girls, uh, Sarah and Brianna. Brianna is older, and Sarah is a very special child with special needs, and she recently, I think, was turning nine, and she happened to come by my office, and she said, today is my birthday. I said, that's wonderful. Happy birthday, um, uh, Sarah. And she said, you know, you could get me a present. <laughs> I said... Well, Sarah, I said, I don't like shopping. I do everything I can to avoid shopping. Give people credit cards and give them lists and it doesn't matter, you know. She says, oh. So when she's going home later with her mom, she's in the back seat with a friend of hers, and her mom hears her say, do you know, this is sad. Pastor Ty doesn't know how to shop. <laughs> he just keeps his money in his pockets. <laughs> So Christmas is, is, is upon us, and shopping is in full swing, and I think it's noteworthy that I, even I went shopping this week with Cindy, and then I did some returns all by myself, and uh, found myself in Walmart uh, returning some lights and getting some others, because, you know, just have to have some lights on the outside of the house this year, I guess, and shoppers were everywhere looking for everything and uh, getting things for themselves and their loved ones and what they need. <laughs> what do you need? I think it's kind of a strong word for most of us, don't you? Um, need. <laughs> what do we need? I mean, truthfully, most of our physical needs ha have already been met. But since uh, the, virtually the beginning of the history of the world, there's one universal need that we have, and that is we need a word from God. We need to know the truth so we can make decisions based on the truth. And God has provided, that's the good news, God has provided a word of truth every time it's needed. So we're starting into this new series entitled, Who Is This? The Savior Born at Christmas. And every Christmas season, we celebrate the birth of our Savior Jesus, and we see pictures of him as a little baby, and he's so cute and cuddly. And we don't focus on the fact that of who Jesus came to be and what he came to do. I mean, very specific things. Jesus came to fulfill promises. The Old Testament is chock full of promises made by some of the prophets that Jesus is fulfilling in his life. And Jesus came to warn those who would listen and to give them God's word. And he came to accomplish certain tasks that had to be done to make a way for man to get right with God. And Jesus came to rule and to reign in the hearts of those who would receive him and show them a better way. So let's discover him this Christmas season. Now there was a time when God's people were in slavery and God rescued them and he gave them gifts when he called them his own. He gave them gifted leaders and there are three kinds of leadership that are needed, perhaps even four, three distinct major offices in the Old Testament of prophet and priest and king. And he also promised a Messiah, a Savior, would come later. And when he had gathered them into a chosen people, the servant that he used uh, first was named Moses. And in a sense, Moses was the very first prophet because he declared God's word to the people and he heard God's word and he shared it with them and he, he called them to righteousness and to repentance and he gave them God's standards and he wrote it down. In fact, the first five books in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are called the books of Moses. Now Moses went on to anoint his older brother Aaron to be the very first high priest. And we'll talk about the importance of, uh, of a priest standing uh, between man and God next week. And for a while, 
God governed the people under judges and uh, called and empowered uh, by God, the judges would lead. And after a while, the people clamored for a king. They said, we want to be like everybody else. Everybody else has a king. Give us a king. And so God had the prophet Samuel anoint them a king. And the most famous king of Israel was David, followed by his son Solomon. So the prophet spoke God's word to the people, and the priest offered sacrifices and praises to God on behalf of the people, and the king ruled over the people as God's representative. And for a while, Moses did all three jobs. And then toward the end of his life, God gave Moses insight, and Moses predicted that another prophet like himself would come along in the future. In Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 and 18, it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he will speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. See, Moses and God we're on a first-name basis. And Moses heard God's word, and he declared it to the people. Now, that's the job of the prophet. It's not just foretelling, here's what's going to happen in the future, even though that's the most famous uh, thing that a prophet will do. The prophet declares God's word. The prophet calls sin, sin. And uh, the prophet calls people to abandon sin and to pursue righteousness. And the prophet tells the truth, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's unpopular. Now, if you were to look up in Google the American Press Association and what it's supposed to be about, the American Press Association has core principles. Number one, journalism's first obligation is to the truth. Its essence is discipline of verification. It must serve as an independent monitor of power, and it must strive to make the significant interesting and relevant. How are they doing, do you think? <laughs> you know, your new president-elect doesn't give them a passing grade. And most of us, regardless of our political persuasion, are not convinced that when we hear what they call the news, that we're actually getting the truth. The truth is what we need, even if it's painful, even if it's uncomfortable. We need the truth so we can order our lives based on what is true. And God provided prophets to his people to bring them the truth and to alter their lives based on the truth. I mean, this goes way back, starting with Moses. Moses even put a prayer in Numbers 11. He said, oh, would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. He knew when he was speaking as a prophet that God's spirit was guiding and directing his thoughts and his words. And he's saying there is such a blessing in being in God's spirit, which was uncommon in the Old Testament. But he felt that when he was in his prophetic role. In Deuteronomy 18, he, ex he explained, if a prophet is from God, the word he speaks comes to pass. And that was the proof that it was a true prophet versus a false prophet. And then it's kind of fun, toward the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 34, Moses, who the Bible claims is the humblest man who ever lived, but he wanted you to be sure to know, it's, he said, no prophet has risen like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So he was rather proud of his humility, I think. But... Um, he had a very special relationship with God. 
Well, then along uh, later, a notable prophet named Samuel. And Samuel was promised to God by his mother, Hannah, before he was even conceived. And then he was called by God as a young boy and actually given a very difficult first assignment to give a powerful, painful message to Eli the priest that Eli was not living a righteous life and would be judged by God. And the Bible says in the first Samuel 3, all Israel knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. He went on to anoint the first two kings of Israel, Saul and then King David. When David was king, there was a prophet named Nathan. David got off track uh, up on the top of his house one day watching somebody else's wife, ended up claiming her as his own, and uh, ended up having to put the husband to death. And uh, they had a child together, and just David made a mess of it, got sideways on this because he didn't keep his eyes on the Lord. And Nathan was the prophet that went to David and said, you know, there's this landowner with lots of sheep, and he had a neighbor that just had one little lamb that they loved as a member of the family. And when a guest came to visit the rich man, well, then he stole the one little lamb and killed it and made it the feast. And David's anger boiled over, and he said, that man should die. And Nathan looked at him and said, you are that man. And he courageously spoke for God to say, sin is sin, called call David to repentance and to begin living righteously once again. And uh, David uh, followed God's word that came from Nathan. When you get to the days of Solomon, there is no prophet mentioned in the Bible during the days of Solomon. It was a time of excesses of wine and women and song. And maybe, maybe the king had heard from some but didn't like what they said, so they didn't survive long enough to write anything down. The king had thrown off restraint, and there's no prophetic voice to bring them back around. Things went from bad to worse. And during the dark days of King Ahab and his wicked queen Jezebel, there was a prophet named Elijah. And Elijah actually would do predictions. He walked to the king and said, because of your sin, there's not going to be any rain. Then he ran away. It didn't rain that day or that week or that month or that year or the next year or the next year. Everything died. For three and a half years, there was no rain, and the people were starving. Then they finally got together for a confrontation, and Elijah called down fire from heaven that came down and, and uh, licked up the, uh, the sacrifice and the wood and the stones that were the altar and the water that they had poured over it to make it dramatic. And he ended up going to heaven in a chariot of fire, lived a very dramatic, powerful life where he was calling people to repentance. His successor was named Elisha. And Elisha had a double portion of Elijah's spirit, and he actually raised a boy from, the death, from death back to life. Many of the prophets wrote books. In fact, some of them wrote long books, so they're called major prophets, Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel. And then there's the minor prophets. There's 12 books that are called minor prophets because they wrote uh, shorter, uh, shorter books. Do you know... Uh, Isaiah is the prophet who's remembered for saying, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He was called because the people were so bent on sinning and running away from God, and their country was deteriorating, and they didn't seem to notice or care that things were crumbling around them, and they needed desperately to turn to God. And God sent uh, Elijah right from the beginning, or Jeremiah, right from the beginning, he says... I knew you in the womb. I appointed you to be a prophet from before you were born. And then God spoke through Jeremiah to the prophets and said, you know, if you stood in my presence, you would declare my words to the people. 
Ezekiel is famous for remembering the, the dream that said these uh, valley of dry bones and they're going to come back together and they will live again. And he gives hope where there was no hope. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Second Chronicles 24, 19 said, God sent prophets among them to bring them back to the Lord. They testified against them, but they would pay no attention. More than once, it was worse than that. When the people heard the prophets speak a word that they saw was against them and that they weren't living right according to God, instead of changing their ways, instead of repenting, instead of turning to God, they would try to silence the messenger. They would put him in prison or put him to death. So there was this flurry of prophets all through the Old Testament and you had their announcements and their predictions and their calling for repentance and then things got quiet. By that time they had the written word, they had the Old Testament written and people were left to read God's word or to hear God's word read by one of the priests without a messenger to declare it. And it was a dark time without a lot of hope, really from the time of Daniel all the way until Jesus was alive. Years went by. And they didn't know it was going to be so long, but a year turned into 10, into 100, into 200, 300, 400, longer than our country has even been in existence because God is patient and God has a plan. And finally, there was the one born named John the Baptist, a miracle birth, really, and uh, he was uh, anointed by God early in life, and he boldly called sin, sin, and he called on people to repent, and crowds flocked to him. They were looking for something in particular and he called them to get right with God. He ended up dying as a martyr in prison because he had done the right thing of calling people to repentance. And when Jesus came shortly after that and he heard about John's death, he said, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, John was more than a prophet. John had prepared the way for Jesus. He helped get Jesus people's hearts ready to hear Jesus, to hear the good news. Do you remember the passage where... Moses had said, I will raise up a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will speak to all of them that I command. From that time on, they began to look for who is this person who's coming who's going to be as great as Moses. And over the centuries, there were a lot of people. Every time somebody would seem to be strong in the Lord or would be prophetic, they'd think, oh, maybe he's that prophet. That prophet is going to bring in the Messiah. The Messiah is going to bring us peace and power. And he, he, he's going to be like Moses. So when John started preaching in the wilderness just before Jesus arrived, they questioned him. They said, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and he did not deny. He confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they said, well, what then? Are you Elijah, this great dramatic prophet? He says, no. He says, are you the prophet? There was the one we're looking for who will be Moses' successor? He answered, no. So they said, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, just like the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees, so they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John said, I baptize you with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. That prophet was Jesus. And they learned good news that day. 
These people have been waiting 1,500 years for Moses' prediction to come true. Everybody, every century has been wondering, where is that prophet? Where is that prophet? Where is the one who's going to usher in the new age? And it didn't take, he's, John tells him, he's standing among you today. And time was short. It didn't take long for some people to start to figure out that person was probably Jesus of Nazareth. In fact, in John chapter 1, Philip, who had heard Jesus speak, found his friend Nathanael and said, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael, who knew his Bible, said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? There's, there's no prophetic utterance that somebody important is going to come from Nazareth. And Philip said, well, come and see. See, the first disciples thought that they had found the prophet of, spoken of by Moses. His name was Jesus. And people would meet Jesus. They would jump to the conclusion, he's a prophet. The woman at the well heard Jesus speak and said, I think you're a prophet. In Luke chapter 7, it's recorded Jesus went to this little village of Nain, and they are, they're having a funeral service as he arrives, and this widow is burying her only son. And Jesus stops the whole funeral procession. They open the casket. And he speaks to the man. He says, wake up, get up. And he raised the young man from the dead. And the crowd went nuts. And they said, a great prophet has arisen among us. Because Elisha was a prophet who had raised somebody from the dead. Jesus referred to himself as a prophet when he went to his own hometown of Nazareth and was not well received when he spoke in their synagogue. And he said, you know, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and among his own people. Later, the religious leaders wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowd because they held him to be a prophet. See, most of the people who called Jesus a prophet had this certain understanding of here's what a prophet is, here's what they look like, here's what they do. And Jesus fit that when he spoke. So many people assumed and gave Jesus credit for being a prophet even though they didn't know him very well. They knew very little about him, but they just could tell he's a prophet. Well, after Jesus was gone on the day of Pentecost when Peter was preaching, he referenced this promise to Moses, and he indicated that Jesus was the fulfillment of that prophecy that somebody like Moses would arrive. His name was Jesus. Now, prophet is not the primary designation of Jesus used about him in the Bible. And we don't use it often to describe Jesus because he was a prophet, but way more than that. I mean, in the recent political arena that we've had, Hillary Clinton could have been called first, uh, first lady, or she could have been called senator, but they would always refer to her as Madam Secretary because she had been Secretary of State. So any three of those offices she held, but the one they considered the highest, the most important, is the title that they would give her. Prophet is a lofty title, but it was not the primary designation for Jesus because he went way, way, way beyond that. He's far greater than any of the Old Testament prophets. He's the one about whom the prophecies in the Old Testament were made. And the Old Testament prophecies all predict the sufferings of Christ. There's a whole stream of suffering Messiah prophecies and so the Old Testament prophets looked forward to the Messiah, to Christ. And the New Testament apostles looked back to Christ and interpreted his life for the benefit of the church. Who is Jesus the prophet? Well, he was a messenger sent from God. Like all the other prophets, he was the messenger bringing a message. But he was more than that. He was also the message maker. 
Jesus is God. He's the one who inspired people to, like Moses, to hear God's word and to write it down and to speak it to people. The word of the Lord came to the Old Testament prophets, but Jesus spoke on his own authority as the eternal word of God. So the prophets of old would say, thus says the Lord, and tell the truth. And Jesus would say, I say to you, and he would speak with the authority of God. Numerous times in the Bible, it says people were amazed because Jesus had this authority. He wasn't like the Pharisees or scribes who always were quoting somebody else. Jesus spoke with authority because he's God. He's the source of the message. So he's the messenger come from God. He's also the message maker. He's the source. And he was and he is the message itself. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. There's a story in Luke 24. It's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. There's these two people. They're walking on this road to Emmaus. I think it's a husband and wife. That doesn't matter. They're headed to the same house. They lived in the same house. There's two travelers, and they're walking along talking about how disappointed they are that their hopes have been dashed. They thought Jesus was going to be their political hero, and instead he was arrested and put to death on that trip to Jerusalem. And we break into the story, Luke 24, verse 15. It says, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Clopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and our elders and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of our, the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as they said, but they did not see him. They did not see him. And Jesus said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ would suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the things in the scriptures concerning himself. Now, when we get to heaven, that's one of the videos that I want to see. I want to get to see which scriptures from the Old Testament Jesus said, look at This one's talking about me here. This one was talking about me here. This one was talking about me here. He goes through this long list of all of them. I would love to see which ones he lifted up. There's oodles of uh, prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. Which ones did he talk about? See, Jesus is his prophet, but he was much more than that. All the prophets gave a spoken word. Some of the prophets gave a written word. Only one was the word and shared himself with the world. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
Now, how do we respond to Christ as prophet? Well, it was pointed out in Acts by Stephen that the prophets were persecuted because they told the truth. So, have we accepted the word of God from our prophet Jesus? Jesus actually gave us a gift, you see, that takes us beyond his role as prophet. He gave himself to save us. He not only gave the word, spoke the word, he is the word. And we celebrate the gift that he's given in communion. This is my body. This is my blood shed for you. I mean, many of the other prophets gave their bodies as martyrs. And many of them shed their blood for the sake of the truth of declaring God's word to people who desperately needed it and rejected it. But Jesus stands alone. He's not just the prophet. He's not just the baby in the manger. He's the Savior. Paul said on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. What do we need this Christmas? We need Jesus. We need the prophet who speaks the truth into our lives. God gives us what we need. He gives us the truth. We need a word from God, and he sent Jesus the word. So let's listen to his voice and ask for his forgiveness, and be sure you are right with God today. If you know the Lord, you are welcome at his table. Shall we pray? Dear God, we pause before you. I thank you for what you have given us in Jesus, not just a prophet, but the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the one who is broken so that we might be made whole the one whose life was poured out so that ours might be lived. Now I pray that as we gather today, we will hear you, and we will ask you to be in our heart and in our lives. We will give you the proper place of being first in our lives. We will listen to your word, and we will repent as you call, and we will choose to live righteous lives that please you. So even today as we receive this bread and this cup, I pray that you will touch our hearts as well. Thank you. We love you. Amen.